0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's your boys, Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez. Welcome back to the Talent Factor Podcast. Keith, my brother, how are we doing, man?
1: Man, I'm good, man. And matter of fact, I'm more than good. I'm excited. We're talking about some some playmakers, some game changers with the wide receivers. Um, You know, we got to watch some film and get a good vibe for this upcoming wide receiver class if everybody declares. So I'm excited to talk about these guys. I think we have some dynamic playmakers and a, possibly a bunch of first round guys if everything um pans out how it should be.
0: Absolutely, man. And we're going to talk about five impactful receivers on this episode, and then we're going to talk about the tight ends just a little bit as well to close it out. Keith, I want to start in your neck of the woods, right? Okay, let's go. in, in, in New Orleans, and in, in, in at LSU, Keishon Boutte, six foot, even one hundred and eighty-five pounds listed on on um on the on the team's website. Explosive before. And after the catch, pre and post catch, he's explosive, rack ability, run after the catch, strength to play through contact. He's a three level receiver. That then the crazy thing about it, Keith, because he he you know I think he played six games this year, and he lost the rest of the season too due to a season injury. So we haven't get we haven't gotten the chance to see a full like just unleash Keshawn. But that's that's you know your LSU guy on the show. So talk to me about Keshawn just a little bit.
1: Yeah, man. So watching the games and understanding his production, it's very rare that you use the word workhorse for wide receiver. Usually that term is, uh, you know, slated for running backs. But um, Kayshawn is the workhorse of this offense. Everybody knows coming into the game that they're going to throw the football to him. They try to double team him and they still throw the football to him um he's by far their best receiving option their best offensive weapon um on the offensive side of the ball and I think that was uh proven like you said through his production through six games he was leading the country in receiving touchdowns and you're talking about a guy like you said that's listed as six foot that might be 5'11 um 190 pounds so you just have to respect how this guy approaches the game and just how he's able to just get the job done at the end of the day
0: yeah, when I when I was watching them, Keith, I saw some. You know, could be revisionist history. I'ma stick with this with the same school with LSU, and some people may say, "Hey, you're scouting the helmet." But in this situation, I, I don't mind doing it. You know, I was when I was watching him after the catch, fight through uh, arm tackles to to take, you know, take the catch to the distance. I saw a little bit of Jamar chasing him with okay. that physical play strength, but then I, that that dy- dynamic ability in and out of his breaks, that that catching the ball from his body. I I saw a
1: little bit of OBJ, too. I saw a little bit of Odell Beckham. I I, I had a feeling you were going to mention it. I know you was hesitant to mention it, but (laughs) go ahead and say it, man. Go ahead and say it.
0: I saw Odell (laughs) Beckham and and, and some Jamar Chase in this game, man, and this kid. That's why I'm I'm excited to see. And the main thing he needs, of course, is to have a healthy, full, healthy season in 2022. Yes. But also, competent quarterback play that can give him the football. Like you said, he's a workhorse. He's not just a... A down the field threat. He catches those quick slants and he he plays through that contact in the contact window. A uh, good good hip rotation out of out of his uh, slants and his out routes. But he's able to catch screens and make plays happen in the short, quick game as well. He's a very his skill set. He's a complete skill set, Keith. So I'm excited to see a full season of him because in the SEC, think about that game against Bama, right? We're gonna see him against his old teammate Elias Ricks Elias, over there, yep. one on one. I'm looking forward to that because that that's the impact matchup, right? He, that And LSU played them very tough in 2021. And this is a team that went to the national championship in Alabama. So Saban retool brought some guys back. But I'm looking at Kayshawn, man, and to me, and I know you probably feel the exact same way. He, I know the next guy on our list, people may say he's wide receiver one, but I could see Kayshaun with a great, you know, full season in 2022 – being that wide receiver one off a board in the 2023 uh, NFL draft.
1: Yeah, no, nah, definitely. And I I want to uh, talk about the kid's character, right? And just a testament to him. I and mean, you talked about him being a complete wide receiver, but um you know I've been scouting this guy for four or five years since he was a freshman sophomore in high school, and he wasn't always a complete wide receiver. So he he initially he was a a, a quick screen and then take it over the top guy where he can use his speed, but it's his ability to work the middle of the field now and um kind of present those little nuances that it take to be a really good wide receiver as far as running with temple understanding how to catch the football um, understanding your surroundings, zone defense I think he really took it the next step so when you talk about a wide receiver that's continuing to get better um, I think Kayshaun Booty is one of those guys and I expect him to have a, a good season but we you know with quarterbacks it depends on who's throwing you the football so I know LSU brought back Miles Brennan who's a who has a gunslinger mentality um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Kayshaun can do next year for sure because he should be able to put up some good numbers.
0: When you mention put up good numbers, the next guy on our list, okay, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, six foot, 198, basically on the 200 pound, uh, toeing to the 200 pound line. I'm going to throw quick numbers at you. Okay. 95 receptions, 1600 yards, nine touchdowns, 17 yards per catch.
1: Keith, when you watch them, what do you see in this game? Man, I, I see something that's become rare, and that's a true X, Y receiver. Um, you think about in the past drafts, right, we've had Jerry Judes, we've had Devontae Smits. um, We've had these smaller, slider, slender frame guys who are, are best when you put them in motion, you line them up in bunch sets, you put them in a slot, you line them up off the line of scrimmage um but i think Jackson Smith and Jigba, like you said he's almost 200 pounds you can see the strength in his game right both in his release and also just him after he catches the football um he's a very strong guy so i think that when you when you line him up at xy receiver by himself and he's lined up with a press man corner he can uh he can continue to beat that corner and i think that that's rare um the last guy we've seen, um, you know, it may have been a couple of years, maybe Jamar Chase, but obviously he hasn't played in two years. But other than that, it's been these smaller, slider wide receivers that have uh, manned the number one wide receiver position. But I think Jackson Smith, with his size, um, he should be the, the 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 lead runner as far as the number one wide receiver in this class coming up.
0: Yeah, it, it, playing, you know, granted he, benefit, he did benefit from Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but, man, you look at his game, when you talk about the power, the play strength, he's a big, thick uh, receiver. I I think, for me, I'm, I'm excited to see his impact, whether they move him out of the slot, because he pre- predominantly played in the slot, ran a lot of he, – he's one of those guys, and it's crazy because his game would translate back to the older days, right, when safeties could knock your block off, right? right. Like, he would come across the middle with no fear. He He's tough, uh, yak machine, man. Like, his ability, his, his intelligence – to find the soft spots in the zone, Keith catch the ball and make plays. He's got some elusiveness and quickness after the catch in his game. He is a beast in the short to intermediate game. I do question: Does he have the speed and athleticism to win vertically on the outside as an X, or does he pro- or does he project more as a slot, you know, big thick slot, big Y possession receiver? But man, this kid has so many tools in his tool in his tool tool bet right now. He, he's incredible to watch, and that that connection with him and CJ Stroud, I think, it's just going to take a ne- another step in twenty twenty two. I'm excited to see him because he literally he's going to open up for those other young receivers, kind of how Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson kind of open things up for him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, first, first, I want to say this: I believe that he was the best wide receiver Um, in the receiver court last year when you just talk about a skill set and everything he's able to bring to the table from an athleticism standpoint. And you talked about his build, and I think we've seen a guy with a similar build like this in his past, well, yeah, this past draft, and that was Jamar Chase. I think athletic profile, they're built very similar. And everybody thought that Jamar Chase was a four or five guy until he uh, went to the combine pro day and put down a four or three. So I think you have to be careful of those guys that have the sector speed and guys that don't always have to play full speed because they approach the game with good tempo. They just know how to simply beat the cornerback. Full speed isn't always the best speed. Um, And Jackson Smith and Jigba understands that. And like you said, I, I love him because of his run after the catch He's a tough tackle for corners and safeties, much like Jamar Chase is once he gets the football in his hands.
0: Absolutely. Uh, he, he's talented, man. So I'm, I'm yeah. looking for that, that battle for a wide receiver <laughs> one between him and, and, and Kayshawn. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch. Now, keep, they talk about fun to watch, right? Down in Pitt, Kenny Pickett's favorite target last year, Jordan Addison, six foot. He's on the slender side. We just talked about slender receivers, six foot even, 175 estimated. And you look at his game shifty, elusive with the ball in his hands, explosive, and out of his breaks, great body control. He's sure handed, makes some acrobatic catches. Uh, he gives you that alignment versatility. Crazy, uh, you know, crazy stat. He had 40 plays last year of 15 plus yards in the passing game. I'm really interested to see how he meshes with uh Keaton Slovis coming in as a transfer. But this young man and what they were able to do, the way they moved him around. I, I dare I say he gives me some Stefan Diggs kind of vibes. Okay. Just the, the build, hit the, the body control is really what kind of gets me. You don't see guys that are such so, you don't see many receivers, uh rather that are sub-six one, six two, sub 185 pounds that are great on the back shoulder on the outside. Like he makes those plays where he can stop on the dime. He he sees the ball, adjusts to it, and again, the strong hands the body control to get his feet, both feet down, almost you know, like a professional receiver in the NFL. What are your
1: thoughts on uh, Jordan Edison? Nah, so I'm going to pick up exactly where you left off, and that was the contested catch factor. And when I was writing my notes on this guy, doing this guy write-up, that's what I continued to write. I kept saying contested catch, contested catch, contested catch, because it seems as though the defensive back was – always in position but this guy just managed to um, keep the concentration and the focus on the football to haul in the past so I, I think he's a very good football player and for a guy not being that big he plays big right and and I think that that's a very important thing especially when you talk about a, a small school, uh, not let me not say a small school guy but a smaller school guy right I want to give Pittsburgh um, you know their recognition as a, a you know football school but those guys usually have that type of uh, grit to their game their you know willingness to want to fight to be the number one guy and you're talking about a guy that took home the award for being the best wide receiver in college football so that's that's a, a testament to him but man I, I what I want to kind of get into is for Joe for Addison is what does he do right because you had Kenny Pickett who had one of the greatest seasons for a college football quarterback so what do you think his numbers will be like this season and how do you feel like that will affect his draft stock?
0: Man, his numbers, and we talked about it when we on the cube. on I think our first episode, when we talked about Keaton Slovis transferring. Right. One thing about Slovis, when he his favorite target is gonna get, they're gonna get the ball. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna force feed that bad boy. He's gonna make sure you get your targets and you're happy. He's a he's a wide receiver's best friend, right? You know, hey, I'm open all the time. That's how receivers think. So watching him, he's very very difficult to defend in the slot. I want to see if they transition him more out wide and how Slova Slova doesn't have the best arm. He's not somebody that's going to drive it consistently in those tight windows. And like you said, DBs were able to kind of be in phase on a lot of those throws that even though they were receptions, it still gives you a little worry that guys are still for, especially for a smaller receiver, that DBs are in your hip pocket like that. For someone that's six foot 175, you want to see a little bit better separation. But – you know that said, I think his numbers will still be good. I could definitely see a, a drop off just because of the quarterback play. Kenny Pickett, him and that that timing they had. You know, it's just kind of, I know where where you want it. I know where you're gonna be, and he put it there, and that's what you saw on tape. We're gonna just have to see how him and Keaton Slovis, uh, how how they're able to mesh, how quickly they're able to mesh rather.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think you um, you explained that exactly how I looked at it. It's, it's going to be up to those guys meshing, and you know, unfortunately for uh, Addison, his his draft stock is kind of going to be somewhat dependent on that. Just the way his game goes, like you say, his I don't say inability, but the the lack of always creating separation. And needing a good throw from the quarterback, and that, and that's what I kind of know like he's going to need the quarterback to deliver a pretty good football, so that way he can go attack the football and haul in the pass. So this is a guy that, when you talk about his season coming up, it's it's a wild card. You you have no idea how it's going to uh, play out, and I'm more than sure if it was up to him, he probably would have left after this year. Um, you know, just left while his stock was up, and he knew that he uh had pretty good yardage.
0: Yeah, and like I said that this, his, his, his draft stock is definitely going to be, I mean, he had a hundred catches for over 1500 yards, 17 touchdowns, 16 yards per catch. He, he was really, really productive. Right. But one thing we do know, like you talk about the talent factor, you know, we talk about the why, right? So it's like, yeah, we know what the end product was. We know what the, the end of the process, but what was the process? What did he do well? And, and those are the things the contested catches, the strong hands, the body control, things of that nature. And it just, like I said, going into this season, just improving on that natural separation on his own, like being able to win with his routes, win quickly and, and help Keaton Slovis out. Because, again, that timing is going to be something that they have to build upon as not just the spring, not just from spring ball, but into the rest of the offseason and then into the season itself. But it's, it's going to be fun to watch because. You look at we the first two guys we named are definitely gonna be first round picks nine times out of ten. Yeah, like these are, these are two guys that the NFL is gonna think highly of, and for Addison being a smaller guy compared to those two thicker frames, he's gonna have to show out and show that hey, I can play not just in you know not just with quickness and speed, but also play play well in the contact window and fight through contact and his stems as well.
1: Yep, I agree. I agree.
0: Now sticking with the sl- slender side i just this the weight kind of threw me off when i looked this up on this kid xavier worthy from Texas, <laughs> the, the freshman I had a feeling I, i'm not you gonna you about. i was so shocked by it keith i was like what i was like hold on a second i had to make i was on their website so i had to make sure i was looking at it correctly he's listed at six one one sixty, keith like i did not expect that he he that's kind of isn't that the Vonta Smith kind of range right there? Like, yeah, that's
1: that's when you need uh you need your protein and you gotta stay in the uh the nutri you gotta stay on the nutrition plan uh for most of right. your career. Cause if he's 160 pounds, I'm more than sure um he's gonna fight to touch 175 at some point in his career.
0: <laughs> we gotta give him some eggs, man. You gotta get him some 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 protein, man. You gotta get something into his diet, right? So Keith looking at this kid, I, I saw, you know, and we talked about him before. He's an explosive guy with the ball in his hands. He gives you some run after the catch. Even though he's 160, there are times where, you know, across the middle on slants and digs where he's able to shrug off the first initial tackle and get upfield uh, to give you some some yards after uh, after the catch. Texas does a good job manufacturing space for him, though, Keith. A lot of bunch sets at times, some stack situations, keeping him off the line of scrimmage. What are your what are your initial thoughts on, on this uh, this explosive freshman from Texas?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, that was the first thing I, I noticed was explosiveness, right? This guy can absolutely take the top off a of defense with go routes, skinny posts, um, running deep overs, things of that nature. He, he can absolutely just threaten you vertically on every single play. And I think early on in his, you know, the season, that's what he did, right? And then I think as the season progressed, you see him, you seen him develop as a wide receiver and him and uh, quarterbacks timing uh, got better. So he was able to run some of those quick slants and just run in the the middle of the field. As a player, you know, in just comparison and just thinking about guys that we've seen in the past, he reminded me somewhat of a a Ted Ginn type, right? Just one of those vertical threat type guys that can push vertically to where um, they aren't big guys and and they probably shouldn't be going across the middle, but they can have an impact on the game. This is a guy that I expect to get involved in a kick return game, the punt return game, and then just really be able to stretch an offense vertically. We've talked about um, you know, what Steve Sarkisian can do with weapons. And I think that this is a weapon that he's probably really excited excited about. he's He's similar to the speed that he had at University of Alabama with the receivers that Alabama had.
0: Absolutely. You I mean, he had sixty two receptions, nine hundred and eighty one yards, average almost sixteen, uh roughly around sixteen yards per catch. He had twelve touchdowns. On the season as well. I can't remember which game it was that I remember watching, where he—I think the first play or his first touch was a wide receiver screen. He made—he followed his blocks, made one or two guys miss, and it was house. It was over. Yeah. You know, like you said last week, <laughs> strike up the band, baby. You got the—you got the <laughs> drum line rolling because he—he—he he, he scored right. So now we and we talked about this kid. You know, the transfer quarterback Quinn Ewers coming in, big arm guy who can really let the ball go, and that was something that was an issue. think with Hunter Thompson and the other young quarterback they had last year, just inconsistent quarterback play for Xavier Worthy. And he still almost had a thousand yards. Now you bring in a guy that's like literally he's a five star. He was the top recruit in college in the nation coming out of high school. That big arm that that his throwing ability can really unlock Worthy and Worthy is one of those. Both of these kids actually are kind of, you know, uh, future freaks of the NFL draft because they're they're both coming off of true freshman seasons. So they're going to be true sophomores. So they are not going to be in the draft until 2024. So they both have two years together to put up crazy numbers in the Big 12.
1: Yeah, and I think that we're at a time now where the NFL is starting to covet these fast wide receivers. They, you know, more and more they're starting to realize that, hey, you know what, speed kills. Like if the defensive back just flat out can't cover the wide receiver, then just send them vertically up the field and we'll just get a quarterback that can get the ball to them. And like you said, Quinn Edwards can't get the football to him. So it reminds you of those offenses. Like you know, Kansas City, where they just always pushing you vertically, and at some point they stretch the defense to where every zone becomes man. So I think he's one of those type of guys that he's going to strike fear in defensive coordinators' heart. It's um in college football, and he, he has potential to do it in the NFL.
0: Absolutely, man! It's going to be a lot of fun to watch that offense. Pretty much, Because, you know, you, like you said, the, the league is looking at speed in the right light now. It's like, hey, I can't teach this. I always talk about with scouting, and, and and you can attest to it as well. You look at what player can do, what they can't do, what can I coach, what can I coach. Running a 4-2, I can't coach you to that. I can't tell you, we're not going to wake <laughs> you up at 22 years old and say, listen, we're going to go to the track and we're going to get you to a 4-2. You're not going to train that, right? You can't get yep. to that. 10 10 1 in a hundred meter dash. You just you you don't you wake up out of the bed as a as, as a child from birth with that. That's God given, right? So you know you look at what you can't teach and the way that the NFL is starting to be with offenses now, Keith, creating that manufactured space for receivers and their weapons. You got a kid that can run that 4-4, four, 4-3-4-2. Four, four, and now you put him in bunch sets, you put them on the move, and look at Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's one of the greatest separators in football right now, right? Great route runner, great tempo. Sean is like, now I'm going to make you almost unguardable because I'm going to put you off the ball by two yards. Yeah. I'm going to motion you. I'm going to get you away from being touched at the line of scrimmage, switch releases and all. And now defensive backs are sitting there flat-footed as he's approaching them In his stem, and then it's it's lights out because he's so quick in in a phone booth. So that I I love that point that you made. The NFL and how they're covering speed, the way that these offenses are now, man, it's 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 hard to defend a lot of these guys. But Keith, and you brought this kid. You the one who threw this kid out here to us, you know, uh, know, before the show and everything early in the week. Talk about hard to guard, Quentin Johnston from TCU, six foot four, two hundred and one pounds, about two hundred pounds. And I know you. you, we texted, You you, we talked on the phone. You have some interesting comps for this young man, right? He's a big body target. He's strong after the catch, 7.7 yards after the catch. Top end speed to win vertically. Offers above the rim play style, will dunk on corners. His 2021 season was cut due to some injuries as well. Keith, what are are your thoughts on this kid? Because he, you know, watching him and for that offense, he doesn't have great quarterback play, but he's a dude.
1: Yeah, nah. Just simply with that put, he's a dude. Um, he he stands out on on that offense. You know that he's the best player on that offense. And like you said, he doesn't even have great quarterback play. The quarterback gets away with just throwing the football. In his uh general area, and he comes down with it. He has he has spectacular catch radius. Um, even after he gets the football, for a big guy, we notice with these big guys, they they're not usually quick, right? They're not explosive. But this guy is explosive. He gets out of there, and he reminded me a lot of uh, early on of A.J. Green and um, T. Higgins. Those those type of guys that are that have long frames, that are 6'3", th- um, very fluid guys, and can simply run away from defenders. So when you cut the film on and you you see this guy, it's like, man, this is a, a a true football player. And he and he and to that point, he's not a guy that flew under the radar. He was a four star, five star kid coming out. He just chose to go to TCU. So this is a guy that checks all the boxes and he's checked all the boxes since he was in high school. So I think this is he, he expects to make big time football plays. So I'm excited to watch this guy. And we know in, in at TCU and in a Big Twelve is a wide open um, it's a wide open conference, right? So he's going to have plenty of room to operate, and I don't think there be too many corners that can cover Quentin Johnson.
0: No, and it, it, there were, even in a, a shortened season for him last year with the injuries, it still wasn't many corners that could cover him yeah, he had nah. three—he had three games over 100 yards. He torched Oklahoma for seven, seven, one eighty-five, and three touchdowns. He had a successful day against West Virginia, five for one thirteen. But against Baylor, and Baylor had one of the better defenses, defenses in yes. in the country, I would say, right? He, they had a great defense over there. Keith, five catches, one forty two, average almost twenty nine yards per catch, and he had a touchdown that day. He was when he's on, and when they literally feature him in the passing game, he is a legit problem. So a full season for him, I'm excited to see. Now I, I'm gonna let you. I want to let you because this is one of your this is one of your SEC dudes and this is a guy that you you made sure we had on this list. Talk oh, about we had J- to get Jermaine. him on. Now. Yeah, we, we had we, to get we him had on. To, the transfer to, to to Alabama. Talk about Jermaine Burton a little bit.
1: Okay, Jermaine Burton. So. um... He's a Georgia transfer to Alabama, but just a little background on this guy. When I was at LSU, we had him committed to LSU for probably about six, seven months. And, um, you know, he's from Atlanta. He was in California at the time, but he's from Atlanta. And he decided to go to Georgia, right? That's He wanted to go back home. And then oh uh, after two years, he decided to transfer. And just knowing this kid and his mental makeup, um, I believe that a good part of his transfer had to do with him wanted to be the man he was a five-star kid coming out of high school he was he was um noted as the number one wide receiver in his class he like I said a five-star kid so I think he he wanted the production and when you when you do things what like Alabama did last year with Jameson Williams it, it affords you the opportunity to repeat them right and you see these kids wanting to, to kind of um remake their career. And I think that's what Jermaine Burton did. And you talk about the transfer portal, him having an opportunity to do that. So this is a guy that transferred from Georgia that's extremely talented. He's not a guy that transferred because he couldn't get on the field. Like he was starting for Georgia. Um, He played in a national championship game. I think he just wanted more opportunities to catch the football. We talked about Stetson Bennett and that quarterback situation. And I I believe as soon as uh, Kirby Smart came out and said that uh, Stetson Bennett is the quarterback, Next year, I believe Jermaine Burton hopped in a portal the very next day. So, man, <laughs> I, I, I think this was just a, a production-based thing, and you can't blame them, right? Like, when you think about a receiver... They need quarterbacks to throw them a football. Look at we look at the career and just the narrative behind Odell Beckham when he was he was he was with the Giants getting the football. He was there as a future Hall of Famer. He transitioned, goes to Cleveland and his number sink due to some you know due to injury, but a big part due to Baker Mayfield and his inability to get him the football. And everybody was saying he doesn't have it anymore. Then guess what? He gets traded in the middle of the season. And he almost matches his production in half the amount of games. And everybody's like, you know what, he still has it. So, man, it's, it's just what the transfer reporter is allowing these guys to do. And I, and I think Jermaine Bird can have a similar type of path and trajectory that Odell Beckham had as far as finding a new spot and finding a spot where he'll be able to get the football.
0: Absolutely, and when I was watching him on tape, he, he showcased the long speed to win vertically. He's tough across the middle and in yes. contested and congested areas uh, on the field. And then he offers you some of that manufactured carries, manufactured touches with some misdirection mm-hmm. on wide receiver reverses and screens. He got strong hands, uh, patient. He tracks the ball so well oh, down well, the field. Yes. And the crazy thing about it is, like you said, Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett returning was not a good thing for him because then I see in the news today. Uh, you know, Eric Gilbert, the tight end, big receiver, whatever you yes. want to label him as, he's returning back to the roster over there in Georgia. So now you have him, Brock Bowers, and big the big tight end, Washington. And it's like, they're probably going to go come out 13 personnel, and Stinson is looking at all the big guys. He's not looking at Burton. <laughs> so Burton's like, you know what, man? I'm, <laughs> I need to be drafted in the first two, three rounds, and with Stinson Bennett, that's not going to work for me. With his skill set, you know, Jameson Williams leaving, you know, John Mechie leaving. He comes in and as long as he picks up the offense quickly and gets up to speed and gets that camaraderie and that connection with Bryce Young quickly, he's going to be the number one receiver over there, man. And it's, it sucks for Georgia because it's like, wait a minute, we just beat Bama. We You won the national title with us. And he's like, yeah. But that national title is not going to get me first round contention. I need twelve hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns in twenty twenty two, and I think he can he can absolutely get that. You know, in that Bama offense, they're going to feature this kid. He has the tools to be to be one of the better, more impactful receivers. That's why he's on our list. He can be a real big impact in the SEC on Bama's on Bama's offense.
1: Nah, I agree. He, he's just flat out talented. He, he's a guy that like we talked about flying under the radar. He's under the radar right now. Like nobody really knows who he is. Like I said, it's very comparable to Jamison Williams where you see a guy transfer from Alabama from a, a previous big time program and you automatically assume, okay, it's because he couldn't get on the field or he's not talented. I can say I've watched Jermaine Burton in person. This guy is extremely talented. He has, he has all the skill sets he needs to be a number one wide receiver. And for me, it's stock up for him. Like I'm, I'm expecting this guy to take take off, blow up, and I, I wouldn't even say second and third round. This guy with Bryce Young getting the football and him being a number one wide receiver, he has first round potential written all over him. So I, I expect him to be a first round guy next year.
0: Yes, sir. I mean, thank think the think Jermaine Johnson that you know, and we love him over at yes. T D N. He was he was kind of backlogged on that talented defense, and he goes to Florida State and has a tremendous season. Tremendous draft process so far, so I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to seeing Jermaine Burton, uh, just kind of take off in 2022 with better quarterback play. And, and you talk about takeoff, right? You talk about explosiveness. Man, the tight end position. I, I would say I, I, I'll ask this to you, Keith. Is the tight end position the biggest mismatch in the NFL? Like, is that the biggest way to create mismatches in the NFL right now?
1: Yes, I I think it's the the easiest way because I think that the safeties and linebackers are still catching up athletically to where these tight ends have progressed and and, and put their game – and, and then also, it's the easiest spot for the quarterback to get the football, right? Like, it's, it's right there in the middle of the field. So, it's not a lot of progressions that's involved in that. So, a tight end that can create separation easily, that can run away from defenders, man, that's, that's a quarterback's best friend. And I think that's what we have when we talk about a couple of these tight ends coming up. I would like to stay in the state of Georgia, um, mm-hmm. specifically with my guy, Brock Bowers. And this is a guy, as a true freshman, put on one of the all-time campaigns for – a tight end period. Like his team won a national championship and he was the number one threat, I would say offensively. Not even just of the receivers, not even just of the tight ends, not running backs. He was the number one threat offensively. And this is a guy from Napa, California. Uh Napa has more than just fine wine. They have football players out there. And he 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 just he just made plays, man. So you think about this guy just being a freshman, what is he gonna do his sophomore year and his junior year? He's just gonna continue to build. So this guy I'm extremely excited about. Now Brock
0: Bowers is, is 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 a dude. He's the dude at tight end in college yeah. and, and he's a to me, you could say he's the best tight end as a freshman like looking at you know, and we have Michael Mayer and Jaleel Billingsley and those guys but Brock Bowers, 64 230. man the the numbers he put up last year, 56 receptions uh, 882 yards receiving 13 touchdowns. he averaged 16 yards per catch. go back to to the to the, uh, to the semifinal. Um, where, where they basically they, they lost to uh no it's yeah. SC championship game rather they lost to Bama he had ten for one thirty nine he was the con- most consistent threat and and he's the security blanket of Stetson Bennett which is the reason why Jermaine Burton's like I gotta get out of here <laughs> like you know what I mean like he already knows Brock Bowers is is technically wide receiver one but when you look at his game he has a, even though he's listed at two thirty Keith he has an NFL like made ready-made body, uh, powerful frame, thick, strong frame, built well. Uh, he he creates the, those yards at the contact opportunities with his contact balance and his strength to bounce and pinball off tackles. Explosive athlete can threaten vertically, uh, work the middle of the field. I don't even have a comp for him to be honest because I, I I'm I can't, I can't wait to see him test, which will be in 2024. But I can't wait to see him test because I think he's gonna test off the he's going to test off the charts. Like this is a really explosive athlete that's playing tight end. And I don't think we've seen anyone like him in the in, in wild. I mean, you look at Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey's what six five, like two sixty, right? Yeah. And I don't think Travis Kelsey has the juice that Brock Bowers has. So right. you know what? I did have a comp. I did have a comp. I think he's a more physical version of Aaron Hernandez.
1: Okay, okay. I think I it's the more see physical
0: that. version of Aaron Hernandez where – and I not only that, because if I remember correctly, they even kind of gave him – yeah, he had a couple carries this year as well. Uh, he even yeah. had a, a rushing touchdown because remember Aaron Hernandez for the Patriots and even at Florida, they line up in the backfield and shotgun inside zones and, you know, throw them screens out of the backfield. They just, you know, Belichick them use him in such a – just a phenomenal way. And you think about the explosiveness, the quick feet and everything that Brock Bowers has. Man, he's, he's such a fun player to watch.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I thought of, I couldn't land on one guy for a comparison, but if, if you can kind of intertwine these guys and cross these guys, it w- it was George Kittle and Vernon Davis. Um, because Man. he he runs like a madman, like George Kittle does with the football, <laughs> but he can push vertically like Vernon Davis was. And, and I believe Vernon Davis was a top 10 pick when he came out for the 49ers and that was because of his explosiveness and playmaking ability. And, you know, when you think about those 49er teams, Vernon Davis, he was the number one receiving threat also on those early teams. So I I think that Brock Bowers in a very similar situation and it's just special and unique to see that at the tight end position. And we talked about um, that Jermaine Burton had Stetson Bennett throwing him a football, right? But you got to think about it. Brock Bowers has Stetson Bennett throwing the football, too. So those 800 yards receiving could have easily been 1,000 yards receiving for a tight end of this caliber. And like you said, he did all of this as a true freshman. So, man, this is is special of what this kid can be. He
0: walked in as a grown man, Keith. He walked in as a grown man, (laughs) as a freshman. You don't see too many kids walking in at 18, 19 years old and look the way he does. Like it, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. But I know that there, there was a tight end that you wanted to discuss uh, who's leaving the SEC and going to the Big 12. That was Jalil Billingsley. What we, you yes. know, for you, what makes him a potential impact player for Texas?
1: Man, I, so we go back to the conference and you're talking about Big 12, right? And, um, you know, just everything spread out and we talked about Steve Sarkeesian, we talked about Quinn Eros, we talked about Bijan Robinson. And then you add in a playmaking tight end like this, a guy that can just stretch the field vertically. I think he's going to put up great numbers in in, in this offense because he's a mismatch problem. There's not too many safeties that can cover him. They're not linebackers that can run with him. So when you talk about a guy that can just simply get the football in his hands, he can do a lot of special things. And coming into the season, obviously he fell off this year, but coming into this season, we were really high on him at the draft network, right? We had him with first round grades, and that was because of his athletic ability. He reminded us of a Evan Ingram type. O.J. Howard, those Alabama tight ends that can beat you in multiple ways and you don't have a, a answer for him when you, when you roll into the game, and that's the scariest part to be on a defense is when you're like, you know what, I don't have an answer for this guy. So Jaleel Billingsley has that type of talent. It's just a matter of, you know, mentally him getting it together and then him meshing with Quinn Ewers and putting it all together. But this is a guy that you, he can threaten for that 1,000 yards receiving um, in this upcoming season.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And he, he's 6'4, 230. He literally looks very similar to Evan Ingram. I love that you brought yeah. it up. Just from <laughs> a build standpoint. He looks like a receiver, the same way Evan Ingram coming in was was a build in the athleticism of a receiver. And he's so he physically he's difficult to to defend, especially in the short in a short game, how quick he is in and out of his breaks, he can you know break out, you know, can press vertically, break out on a corner, break out on a post, break inside on the post rather. He can snap it down. He can put safeties and in, in linebackers in limbo, trying to run stride for stride with him. So he he definitely, like I said, and the main thing is he just him and Saban. You know, at the end of the day, they just couldn't get it together. They couldn't mesh. And Saban's kind of you know like Bill Belichick. They they want these tough minded you know, these type, they, they want their ter- type of guys. And Billy just wasn't that type of guy for to, to stick around with Saban. He got in his doghouse early and he hasn't been able to produce the way that we wanted to see from him. But like you said, he has the potential to be a big time impact player in Texas with Quinn Ewers and, and, and coach Marion and Star Sarkeesian. And I think that, he, he there should be there could be a comfort a level of comfort with him offensively with Sarkeesian as well with his time in Alabama knowing that scheme knowing what he wants from his tight ends and everything that could kind of speed up his development in this offense and again we talked about Xavier Worthy we talked about Bijan Robinson last week and Quinn Ewers the week before
1: Texas offense could be explosive. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really f- pulling for this guy to to really get it together. And uh, Nick Saban, he just had a, a, I guess you would say, a press conference. And, you know, he had a, a speech, and it was probably about two minutes long. The clip that I seen, and he talked about guys just not being prepared. And you can say he was sending subtle shots towards Jaleel Billingsley in, in that in that speech. And it was just talking about Jaleel Billingsley, not necessarily being tapped in all the time and just not being ready when, when his moment was called, when his number was called in the national championship game. So I I hope that the culture change in Texas allows this guy to, you know, be able to mentally get everything together because we've seen this every year that there's, there's one guy that has an extreme amount of talent, but it seems to essentially go to waste because just not understanding the, um, you know, the commitment that it takes to play football at a high level.
0: Uh, you're right, and it's like I said, it's uh it's definitely something, to, it's something to watch, you know. Uh, but sometimes, you you have to hit rock bottom, Keith, in order to, to to get to the top of the mountain. So hopefully, this young man can can take those failures that he had at Alabama, put his fir- his best foot forward at Texas, and 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 blaze a trail for himself to get drafted in a reasonable spot next season, uh, for the NFL draft. But and shout out, you know, on just honorable mention. You know he's a he's a you know a nice tight end as well. Michael Mayer over at Notre yes. Dame, uh, good pass catcher, runs good routes. Um, definitely, uh, I think he's he's a new quarterback this year. You know, with uh, with Jack Cohn going over to the NFL, so he'll be another guy. You know, definitely to watch. He's eligible for the 2023 NFL draft, so a big season from him, or even a replicate a replicated season. Uh, for 2020, from 2021 to 2022, could definitely land him in in day two for sure. Probably early day two with the way that offenses covet the tight end position. But Keith, man, we've talked about some explosive players, man. And, and yes, sir, it's a lot of guys, and we're gonna talk about a lot more as we get closer to the the uh, 2022 kickoff for the collegiate season. But guys, as always, we want you guys to find us on uh, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, subscribe, like. Share, leave us a review. Let us know what you what you think about us. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a quick little just just drop it in your ear. We will have a fan segment that's going to call "Talk to Me Thursday," where we're going to drop a thread on Twitter where we want you guys to drop your questions about college football, the draft, whatever, and we'll answer them live on the show. But as always, guys, we thank you so much for the support. Stick with us every Thursday. We record Friday. It will be out. I'm Damian Parson. That's Keith Sanchez. This is the Talent Factor Podcast.
1: And remember, talent is always a factor, baby. We out. Thank you for listening to Believe.
0: You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for
1: B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.